I promise I'm getting intro music soon because this is really lame. Hello and welcome to Love is a Battlefield podcast. My name is Tilly Moore and this is the first official, official story time episode. So I have done no preparation for today. I haven't even thought about what I'm going to tell you. I know what it's about but I haven't gone over it in my head, so it's just going to flow naturally. So that could be either a disaster or something beautiful. Probably not beautiful because we are talking about domestic violence and I am sharing very personal, very vulnerable and raw experiences. Now today is as promised. It's about when someone was not very nice and abusive and violent and I left them. I was had been living with them and I left them. And how did I end up back in contact and kind of like back with them after that? Because you think, wait a minute, you'd kind of got away. You've never really gotten away, have you? No, that sounds so ominous. That sounds, sorry, I don't want to scare anyone off who is trying to leave and they're like, wait, I'm never going to get away. I'm just thinking of my own experience with that one individual. Not everyone is as unhinged and unwell and dangerous as that person. But I wanted to share this to be vulnerable, but I don't really want to, um, because I don't look very good in it. Honestly, I come off looking really stupid because it is about trauma bond, which I had never experienced in any relationship prior. And in this one, I actually had experienced it and it's humiliating and embarrassing. And for anyone who has never gone through it, you can't really explain what it feels like. There is no logic in it because logically, you want to get away and you are, you are honestly trying, but this person is using everything against you. They're using isolation, intimidation, threats, and they're also using uh, like, you know, all those chemical neurochemical bonds in your brain. They're also using that to enhance your feelings of bond and connection to them. So there's a lot going against it. And I apologize to anyone who hasn't gone through this for them not understanding it and how it may come across it. I'm just an absolute stupid head. But I know there are people out there who have gone through this part of it with the trauma bond and have gone back. And statistically, domestic violence services have told me, and I'm not putting a quote here or anything, I'm just going off what has been told to me, that it takes, I think, an average... Sorry, I really should find a quote for this, but I'm just going to tell you what they told me. It was either seven or eight average seven or eight times a domestic violence victim slash survivor will go back to their perpetrator because that is that is the dv the dv is the whole picture it's this person's in control of what they're doing and going back is part of this whole picture it's not easy and it doesn't make sense but once you're out of it you're all good you're new again it's all good so it doesn't really make sense, but let's get into it. So, okay, where were we? So I had left. Now I could get into that a bit, but uh, basically I didn't want to leave because that was admitting I had failed at yet another relationship. Yes, it wasn't my fault when you pull it apart and actually look at what's going on. But on the surface, it's like, oh, she got in another relationship. Oh, that's ended. Oh, what's her problem? Like, what's wrong with her? So there was that whole thing to accept, but it got to the point of no choice. There was This person gave me no choice. I had given so many warnings. So I moved out. So I had been living with them and I moved out. So I could only take a bag, one bag of belongings. I was smart enough to take my file, you know, like a thing with like 
birth certificates and, and important paperwork because this person had already gone through it with a fine tooth comb and looked for dirt on me. This person during the whole relationship was looking for a defense, knowing what they were, knowing how they had abused others before me and knowing what they were, they knew they needed a defense. So they would, when I was at work, this person went through my whole file to look for anything against me and took copies of anything that they thought they could twist and use against me in the future. That's sick to do that while you're actively in a relationship that is going well, as far as I could tell. So I later found out they had done that. It's, oh, so I'm glad I took that with me, but they had already gone through it with a fine tooth comb and probably taken things out of it. I don't know, but nothing super important. I got a couple of things I needed. So anyway, I packed up one bag and got out of there. I had trauma bonds, so I still was completely, I don't know, would you call it brainwashed, gaslit? Uh, those bonds were there, you know, of getting my dopamine, my oxytocin, all those lovely neurochemicals. They're just feeding on them. They've developed like a real connection to me. They've sold me this, we're meant to be together, kind of we're in love and going to get married kind of story. And so it was absolutely devastating to lose the hope that the false hope that this person had instilled in me with all that and that I had myself for a relationship considering how much vetting I had done at the start and getting friends and family to meet them and assess them and you know keeping them at an arm's length for a long time before I knew okay I've done all I can to make sure this person is safe now I'm gonna commence a relationship to know I'd actually actively done that knowing red flags knowing dv and they still was such a good manipulator and still got through that it just i felt so defeated so there was that side of it but also the trauma bond where you pine for them you miss them you love them you're addicted to them like a drug drugs are not good everyone knows drugs are not good for you yet once you've started taking a drug your brain automatically and your body because withdrawals of drugs affect the whole body a lot of the time. You get physically sick with drug withdrawals. So your brain goes into withdrawal when you're not with this person. So you miss them, yet consciously you're like, no, they're bad. I have left them. So you're going through this when you leave someone. And I was going through this and I wanted to keep away from them and never get back with them. And I thought that was the worst person ever. But it was still there. It was still underlying that. So I was still vulnerable and I was I was doing my best. I was like, no, no, no. Then they found an app, which is not a chat app. It was this other app. I won't get into what it was, but they were posting pictures. And it wasn't like Facebook or social media, like blocked on all accounts, blocked on all social medias and things like that. But they managed to find another app completely unrelated to that where they posted a picture and you're probably thinking, well, wouldn't it be instant? No, I I would love to get into it, but that's a whole other thing. And they posted this picture and they put little hinty words on it in this weird font that you could hardly see. But, and I, and there were like secret, like these little messages. And so he managed to contact me when he wasn't allowed to contact me and get messages to me. And then that just, that's why they say go no contact, cut all, all contact because that little bit of 
nugget of contact, which was not very good, enabled this person to actually get in contact with me again and plant those little seeds and keep in my brain. It's like if you have contact with them, they're in your head. They might not be saying much, but just having even the smallest amount of contact, they're in your head. And so this is what was happening. And that contact kept going. And so with the police, this is the main, this is the main reason I ended up back with this person. And I don't even know what to think of it. I'll just tell you. The police, so all my belongings were in this person's place. I had moved in. And as part of that, they'd made sure I integrated every little thing into every little drawer everywhere so that moving out would be very hard. So it kind of trapped me there longer. I did stay longer. I mean, I was only there for like maybe, I don't know, it felt like a couple of months. But I was there longer than I would have been because everything had been mashed in and moved in and the whole thought of moving out was just overwhelming. It was like, where would I start? How would I even get all my stuff? So that actually prevented me. But when I came to the decision to move and leave, the police said, because over here, the police can attend if you need to get your property from a perpetrator who is violent and dangerous. And the police said, we can do it for 20 minutes tops, maximum 20 minutes. We'll stand there, basically go in and grab what you can. And I said, not all my belongings are there, like everything I own. This isn't fill a car boot and go. This is an entire moving truck worth of things, a lot of valuables mixed into different drawers. I I said, it's going to take me like a long time to pack. I'd have to pack one day and then have a removeless truck the next at a minimum. And they said, well, we can give you 20 minutes, take what you can, get one bag and just cut your losses. They literally told me to just give all my belongings to my perpetrator I understand the system and it is frustrating for them too. So I don't blame them personally. It's just, it's unfortunate that in an ideal world, there would be a kind of escort person who could keep you safe while you did pack and get all your belongings. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And I understand like when it's life or death, get what you absolutely need. But at the end of the day, This person's an abuser and why should they have the right to steal everything you own? Like, okay, when you insure house and contents insurance, think about that. I don't know if you call it that where you live, but we call it house and contents insurance here. And you have to add an amount when you get your insurance for how much your contents are worth. So a minimal amount might be 50 grand, $50,000, or some people have contents probably in the millions because they probably have really nice furniture in a massive mansion or something. So, but it's always a lot of money. When you think about what you insure your contents for, if you had to replace everything in your life, brand new, how much would that cost? And it would cost a lot, especially in this financial climate. So when you think about that, you think, right, so I've got to start fresh again. That's $50,000 plus or $100,000. Something's going to cost me to restart my life again. So I'm giving all that to that person and they're stealing that from me. It, I was like, no, no, I worked my butt off my whole life to have furniture, um, memorabilia. I had photos 
memorabilia, all sorts, all over the place. Like they were my things. They were important things, um, a lot of things. And I just thought, no, I'm not. I'm not giving $50,000 or $100,000 worth of things to this person. I mean, that sounds like a lot of money. But I'm just thinking of adding up every little thing you have buying new for old to replace it so and it does add up if you had to and just the effort of having to like start fresh obviously life or death I mean things happen people's houses burn down you have to do that but this is a situation where my stuff's sitting there and just because this person is evil and selfish and horrible I'm not giving them my life's things like I I'm looking right now at a poster of a band I was obsessed with as a teenager and I'm actually going to go meet two of them next week they're called Silverchair and it's an autographed poster and that was just in this box and I'm thinking you know it's it's all it's your whole life it's like photo albums and and things you've little things you've collected like nothing I don't have designer clothes I don't have fancy things my tv at the time was good he ended up smashing that uh and it was you couldn't replace it because of the type it was at the time but uh it just so I made a decision I made a decision I made a decision to try and get my things I thought stuff it I'm gonna play so he was letting me he said he didn't like the idea of the police coming of course what dv perpetrator would and he said oh you can come and pack but no one I said okay I'll bring a family member or a friend to supervise and be there to keep me safe he said no they are not allowed in my house that's your first red flag because if they weren't a risk and if they weren't planning on using that opportunity to manipulate you and draw you back into the relationship if they were accepting that it was over and like oh yeah come get your stuff they wouldn't mind one other person with you there is no threat to someone packing their belongings with one helper and doing that. But because they say, I have legal control because I'm renting this place, you cannot have anyone with you. I mean, that's your first sign. He's got plans. So, but I thought, stuff it. I'm going to, I'm risking it. I am risking this guy sucking me back in or hurting me and me having to just, I've, I've, okay, sorry, I just hit the microphone. I figure, I figured as well, right, I'll go in, I'll give it a crack. I'll try and pack things and organize it. I'll play nice just to get my stuff. I could see what he wanted. He wanted me back and he wanted to manipulate me back, but I thought, no, nope, I'm just going to play nice to get my things because I have a right to get my things and if I play nice honestly it should go well but if he starts getting violent I will obviously come to the decision to cut my losses but I'm going to give it a go I'm going to give it a crap because I have a right to get my things so I'll just play nice and let him I mean maybe he'll start thinking oh she likes me I will be polite but I will not engaged to a point where he will think oh yeah it's going to happen no but I will be polite I will not bring up the abuse because I'm here to do one thing and pack my things I'll be very clear with him and I was I'm very clear I'm just here to get my things and he's like yeah you can just tell like looking back he was like yeah I'm gonna get you so 
oh, it took a long time to pack because of course he wasn't helping and sort and everything. It took like nearly a whole week to sort and separate everything. And then there was a truck and everything. And during that time he did, he got, he got so like groomy and love bomby and just tried and tried and tried. But I was like, no, stay strong. You're just here to get your things. You're literally exposing yourself to this and working your butt off. I mean, look, a lot of us have gone and done courses or pracs on uni or something we haven't enjoyed, but it's a means to an end or they have a, you have a job that doesn't have enjoyable times all the time. And this was a risk I was taking, not knowing that he would maybe one day nearly murder me. I mean, if I knew the future, there is no freaking way I would have been like, take a million dollars that I'll never have, but take all my belongings, take what you want. Like if I knew how dangerous this person was, no, no, I wouldn't have done that. So I packed over however many days and yes, he did groom and love bomb and he worked on that big time. And then I was moving into a new place of my own and he was like, oh, you need that done. Oh, I'm very handy. I can do that for you. Oh, you need that done. I'll do that for you. I said, no, I don't want you coming to my new place. I actually didn't want him to know where it was. Little did I know he was tracking my phone the whole time we were together. He had logged into apparently somewhere in Google or something or maps as a history thing. And he was able to see where I was all the time because I did not tell him where I was moving to. And I made a point of that. Like I was very honest and very good communicator with him saying, I'm here to get my things. I'm not telling you where I'm moving to. But suddenly he made a comment about a feature, a very identifiable feature of where I was going. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, how? How could you know? I have not told you. I have made, oh, I just know. I just sensed, like, I was just looking at local available properties and I just knew it. When I saw it, I felt it. What? A crock of shit. <laughs> I can say that now looking back, but when you're in it, you're just like, huh? Like you're just so mind effed when you're in it. Uh, yeah, he was tracking me the whole entire time he knew me. I ended up getting a whole new phone, new everything afterwards. Like this person, mm. Mm. like I'm trying to escape from his violence and he's tracking where I go to find out where I'm going to live. What an absolute, like, oh, and they ended up stalking me. And stalking me isn't, oh, you know how like some, especially men, can be like, she called me two times and why didn't she read my mind that I didn't really like her? What a stalker. Real stalking is terrifying. Anyway, I'm tangenting, change it, change Let's get back to it. So I had moved out. I was in between properties. I was staying with someone and I had plans to move into a property and he was like, oh, but I can help you with that. But I'm really handy. I'm a man. I can help with that. Oh, I know how to do that project. I know how to fix with this. How are you going to fix this? Oh, you need me. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. And then knowing he stalked me. Well, I didn't know, you know, I don't think I believed he knew in his heart and soul which property I chose. I didn't believe that. And I would have called him on it too. 
but of course he denied, denied, denied tracking my phone. Uh, but yeah. So once he knew it was like, Oh, he knows where I live now. Great. Great. And there was nothing I could do. I couldn't go back on the property and what was going on with that. So it was like, Oh, should I let it? No. And then I had relations, not relations with him. No, I didn't have relations with him. <laughs> and then we're just going to skip part. No. And then I had relatives, the relatives I was staying with say, Oh, take him back. Come on. I nearly teared. Actually, I nearly cried. I got emotional just then because, um, these people had seen me covered in bruises. Uh, when I escaped and they'd seen all the bruises and ended up saying, oh, come on, be nice, forgive him, take him back. He's handy. He's handy. You need a man around the house who's handy. Come on, stop being so mean. Just take him back. Hasn't he, you know, proven to you he's good, he's helped you, you know, you know, you moved and he, he would have helped with that. And now, you know, he's, he can help with other things. Like he's so handy. Like you should take him back literally. So, you know, when you go to blame a DV victim slash survivor, um, for going back, sometimes it's not just the one person doing everything in their power to encourage them to go back. Sometimes other people suggest, and when you've got trauma bond and you're already tempted because of still having those rose colored glasses on and still being mind fricked, you know what I'm trying to say there? Uh, you still have drawn one, one person suggesting you should go back. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you forgiving him? You think like, it, don't open that door people because I will walk through that. So, and these people, you know, were in a position where I respected their opinions but it, looking back, it's like you saw me covered in bruises and then next minute were convincing me to go back. And there is kind of some misogyny there of a woman needs a man and all that. But at the end of the day, we've got to look at it as this person was so manipulative. They could literally twist any situation, any behavior they did, any crimes they did around to them being innocent. Uh, So what they had done is they came to that place I was staying and put on crocodile tears. Now, have you heard the expression crocodile tears? That's fake tears. They put on a show for these people, relatives, and cried and said, I feel so bad because it was at the point they had seen me covered in bruises. They knew what he did. So he had to change his tactic because you know it's all a game in their head we're real people's emotions but it's a game in their head it's a tactics and how to win and it's absolutely sick so he put on tears and and I think that really manipulated them saying you know I'm so sorry you know like if you are out there and you're a parent of an adult child who is in an abusive relationship Please know how manipulative abusers are and not to fall for that. Manipulative male abusers are. Then again, if there is a parent of a male who is saying, she abused me, at what point could he not escape? Okay, I'm not going to get into that right now, but 
because sorry, I just started thinking about flying monkeys and the mothers of sons who abuse women and the mothers that aggressively defend the abusive man. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you're not to be sexist here, but I've seen that dynamic a lot for a lot of people. What I'm talking about is the parents of the person covered in the bruises, not self-inflicted and manipulator ones. <laughs> Actually, he never gave himself a bruise. I never gave him one, that's for sure. He never. He only did the scratches and in handcuffs hurt his wrist. It's like he'd been wearing handcuffs for how long? Unsu- not constant supervision and, oh, suddenly my wrist is sore. Oh, but she did it. Uh, okay, so so I had, yep, so I had left. I needed help coming. Um, I needed to get my things and that's where he was able to sort of groom and I had trauma bond. I stayed strong. I need, did need certain things that I couldn't do and I can do a lot of things. Oh, as a single mom, I can do I, the things I have done, the handyman things, I know we call it handyman, handy person, things I have done is unbelievable you can do anything if you have to if you have no choice you can do anything we need to stop thinking that women can't do things because they don't have a certain appendage there were just situations where i had to screw something tight or something or unscrew like using hand and muscle like muscle mass and i was so frustrated at certain situations going i don't have muscle mass in my arms i can't i can't do that i can't turn that my arm has no muscle compared to a man so there were situations where i needed physical strength But other than that, if it's not about physical strength, you can do anything. And I was able to do lots of things, but there was one thing where if he did it, it was just like, oh my gosh, that's so much easier if you can do that. And it would, and it saved me lots of money and being a, we call them tired asses here, tired ass Tuesday. Um, Tired ass means, you know, you got, I had to be a tired ass because I didn't have much money. And so there you go. So that's what happened. So the people saying, oh, yeah, you should go back. That was pretty much the icing on the cake. Like, oh, okay. That, that's their opinion. Wow. Oh, maybe. Oh, and I, I kept wanting to, I kept trying to say no. But then, you know, when you combine trauma bond and those feelings you have and um, chemicals and all the withdrawal and all that crazy stuff, you combine their opinion that who've seen you be like all bruised and heard accounts saying no go back forgive him and then what's the third thing um I needed something done that was going to cost an insane amount but DIYing and he could do this one thing this one thing part of it that I couldn't do and I wasn't even going to try and learn how to do this like it was like I just know I'm either paying (laughs) Or not. And so, you know, the input of others, trauma bond and, you know, him saying, no, I really want to do this. Oh, this is another thing. He's like, I really want to do this for you. So I, his deal was I paid for every part, every tool, everything used if he did help with something. Now I did the majority, I did a lot, but in the couple of things he helped with, he's like, you pay for everything. And he's like, I really want to do it. And I'm like, no, no. Then you'll say, I owe you. This is what I'm actually saying to him, right? Then you'll say, I owe you. Then you'll expect a relationship with me. Then you'll get resentful if you don't get a relationship with me or something out of it. 
no. And I kept setting that boundary, right? And he kept insisting, no, I want to do this. I actually like doing this. I get joy from it myself. I want to do this. I want to do it for you. I do not expect you to be back, get back with me. I do not expect any money or anything. You know, you're paying. I want you pay for every little part. I want to do this for you. And guess what? <laughs> You'll never guess that he then, <laughs> when he was being abusive later down the track, was like, tradies get paid so much an hour. You owe me thousands of dollars because I put in three hours or, <laughs> you know, he was like, I help with that. You owe me money. You know how much tradies get an hour? Well, you times tradie hour rates of whatever men get paid, it's at least double what I get as a bachelor qualified health professional. Uh, <laughs> frustrating. Um, you know, and he's saying, you owe me that. And that's what, and I said, do you remember our conversation? Many times I set a boundary. I said, don't, I don't need you to do it. I will happily pay for someone to do that. You insisted. You said you want it. I never said that. Yeah. Lied, lied and twisted it and threatened. He then threatened that he owned half the house. Um, what? <laughs> um, huh? <laughs> and so when he did these things and said all these abusive things, I was like, red flag. Okay, no, no, no. We're going to, like, that just highlighted to me, do not allow him to do anything else in this house. Do not allow him to stay too much because he'll be like possession is nine tenths of the law. I don't know if you've heard that expression, but if, and do not allow any situation where he could possibly convince a court of law that he has some, some, something to do with this place or me or anything. So I'm glad I had my wits about me because he had no rights or anything like that. It was just, anyway, anyway. So I kept setting boundaries despite the encouragement of the relatives and all of this, all of this. So I had done well to get away and stay strong, but yes, yes, eventually over time. And it did take time. He wore me down. He wore down the walls, the encouragement from others and being so handy, um, yeah, it was one big recipe for that to happen. And I was very mindful of that being a risk when I did want my property. And I knew that was a risk when I wanted to get my property. If I had not, if I'd said, keep all my belongings, I will start again with absolutely the clothes on my back, keep all my belongings. If I had said that, I would have been able to stay no contact. And he would have happily kept my things and sold them for money or whatever. But I decided to give it a go knowing the risk is that it opens the contact up. And when you have contact, they are a vacuum. Actually, there's a saying. Um, it's on. I've seen it on DV pages. It's called, yeah, they refer to vacuum. It's called, you know, Hoover. Hoover's a very famous vacuum brand. And they say it's called Hooverings, the Hoovering Technique when they do all these manipulative techniques to hoover you back in. So it's called hoovering. So what he was doing, we say grooming, love bombing, it was actually called hoovering. And eventually it was successful. So 
that's so that situation where I called triple zero running away and then the police had to apologize for stuffing up that I've previously discussed in the, I think it's episode 10, 10, yes, 10, episode 10. In that situation, that was happening early days of this when I was packing, I think. I, or I just, no, I'd finished packing. Yeah. And I was, he was around and there was contact and stuff. So poo. (laughs) Oops. My bad. Uh, paid for that one. I don't blame myself considering there's a technique called hoovering that other people have referred to and made up before I even knew what it was myself. This is all part of the abuse. I mean, other people around me were convinced well before I was. So I'm not super vulnerable when you think about it. If I was all trauma bonded, like, yeah, 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 let's go back. Yeah, I would have been back before they even suggested it. But it it did take a long time. And then how long after that? Uh, Like under a year. Um, yeah, so the abuse obviously recommenced because abusers got to abuse. Not for a while. It's that phase. We talked about the cycle of abuse. It's that after the honeymoon bit, that calm. They try and extend that for a long time when they've actually kind of had repercussions of their behaviours. So they try and keep that going for a while. But the abuse recommenced and recommenced very ugly and horrible. And the thing was you think, oh, you're in your place now. He's not living with you. Don't you have power there? And that's where, I've mentioned this before, where he threatened to smash his head on the wall outside the house and tell and tell the police that I did it to him. And he said, they'll believe me because they believed me last time and they'll believe me again. And I had an order as well at this stage and I didn't call police because of that incident happening where he scratched his face and they believed that I hurt him and, and, you know, completely twisted a whole situation where I needed help and needed to get safe into whatever he said and wanted. So if you haven't listened to that, that's episodes back, but why would you skip to this one? Like go and listen to every other episode prior to this one is a story time, except for one, it's split into, oh no, that's got heaps of story times in it. So yeah, every single episode prior to this one has a story time, except for episode 11, the one directly prior. We've only just started splitting them. So if you like story times, girl, we got some tea and it has been spilt. And I'm sitting here so embarrassed that I've gone through this. Honestly, this is so embarrassing. Who's even listening? Oh, end of the episode. Hello, one person. Maybe, just maybe it's two. (laughs) Anyway, I've talked and talked and gone on and on. I hope that makes sense. I hope it covers it. I hope if someone's out there and they have gone back to someone Do not feel ashamed. It's not your fault. It's all part of this horrible situation. It doesn't take two to tango. It's not his word versus her word and there's three stories in every situation. There is an abuser and a manipulator and there's you just trying to survive. Whatever you can do, my advice, if you do want to get away from someone, is go no contact and keep no contact as much as you can. But yes, assess situations. I assessed the risk to ending up back with this person was worth it to get my belongings 
and I figured, hey, if I end up back with them for a bit, they abuse me again, I can leave them again down the track, but I'm going to leave them with my belongings, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So that was a risk assessment I did. And I made that choice and took that risk. And yeah, so it was around a year later, they first got arrested. And then six months after that, they went to court. And then one month after that, they broke in, held me hostage and nearly murdered me. So it was about a year and a half Uh, after the time of going back to them after initially leaving them that they ended up in prison and me being free which is amazing then you can start your healing you can see things clearly and you can live your life all that being said risk assessments are just that you try and assess and do the best thing at the time if I had known what the future held I would have just cut and run with all my belongings staying there and the foolish decision to ever meet and trust this human. Um, I'll just take that on board. But you don't know the future, so you have to constantly assess and do the best you can for yourself and those around you. Dun, ching, 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 sweeper. So that's it for today. Next episode is called The Smear Campaign. And if you haven't heard of The Smear Campaign, it's pretty gross. It's another thing that narcissistic abusers and domestic violence abusers do to revenge someone who leaves them. Yes, we're all tell- being told to leave relationships, but there is a price to pay with many of these individuals, so much so that there's terminology and it's called the smear. So as unpleasant as it is to discuss domestic violence all the time and talk about my personal experiences I do look forward to chatting to you in the next episode smear campaign for love's a battlefield podcast please email love is a battlefield podcast at gmail.com and I look forward to it see you then legends stay safe okay bye ching 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 exit music ching 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 yeah sorry I'm a dog <laughs> okay bye Exit music. See ya.